So you want to turn pro, but how? This is episode number 51 of Working at Woodworking Podcast. My name is Roger Kugler. I am here to answer some questions, hopefully to inspire you to take your woodworking skills out into your community, fix some things, make some things, and make some money while you're doing it. I had a interesting email from Reader Vic in Western Norway. He writes, Thank you for your podcast. You are very welcome. It has inspired me to think that maybe it could be possible to start a woodworking shop here in the west of Norway. Now, I only have a cramped one-car garage with some cheap tools. I am wondering how I can find out what services or products people need. I don't know how to start. I have made an Instagram account where I post some of the things I am working on, but I haven't many followers. What would you suggest? Best regards from Reader Vic. Well, again, thanks, Reader, for listening to the podcast. And you have asked a question that hundreds and probably thousands of other people have asked. How do I get started? What should I do? Now, I really like his approach because he's asking, how do I find out what services or products people need? This is a fantastic place to start. Instead of running out and buying a bunch of tools and a bunch of lumber and making things that you want to make and then trying to sell them and finding out that, well, nobody wants to buy what you're making, he's approaching it from, I think, the the more logical, the more practical way. What do people need? How do I fill a need that people have? Now, he also mentioned in subsequent emails back and forth that he was using Google's Primer to help him work through some of the business side of things, of starting a small business. What? Primer? I had never heard of this. But thanks to Reader, he's turned me on to something new. Now, Primer is an app. It's created by Google, and it's very business-focused. You can read more about it if you visit their website, yourprimer.com, link in show notes. But this is primarily built for your cell phone. It's, it's an app. And the neat thing about this is it's, well, what's the best word for it? Um, I don't know. Um, fun? It's not like sitting there reading a business textbook. Oh my gosh, that will put you to sleep. But it's right there on your phone, and they kind of use what I'll call flip notes, or they're almost like post-its that you, you read two or three sentences and you swipe it away, and it goes flying off the screen, and there's a new one. They've built in these little quizzes that really kind of drive home what you were just reading about. It's It makes business concepts very digestible. There's a lesson catalog that you can see on the website. You don't have to download or install anything. Some of the topics are business and operations, brand and identity, and marketing and measurement. And if you look under the business and operations, there's chapters 
of like business planning, money management, selling, productivity, hmm, things that we've talked about. And there's a few other chapters on employees, getting employees, retaining employees, paying for employees. But we don't worry about that because we're focused on running a one-person solo entrepreneurship shop. Under brand and identity, they go into customer engagement, building a website, branding, things that we've talked about. I looked under the customer engagement chapter and kind of dug into that. And they were talking about first build the audience, then make the product. And they explained that this is called the audience first strategy versus build it and they will come strategy. And they used the example of two people who were really into tennis and they were also really into fashion. And they thought maybe they could combine their love of tennis and fashion because they thought all the the tennis players, you know, weren't terribly fashionable. And so they created a blog. And from the blog, they started to get feedback from people. And as the blog grew, the more feedback they got gave them some direction as to how to start a business, how to create the product that people actually wanted and help them with their launch. They sought out what people wanted before they built something. I never knew that it was technically called audience first strategy, but there you go. Under marketing and measurement, oh geez, this is huge. And it's focused mainly on online marketing. What a surprise. An example was build brand loyalty with utility marketing. Utility marketing? What in the world is that? Well, I'm going to have to study that chapter and find out for myself. So back to to Reader. I'm wondering how I can find out what services or products people need. Well, I think you kind of got the idea through the Google Primer. Ask. You already have a Instagram account and you gave me a link to your your blog. And so that's a real, real good start. But I kind of did a Google flyover your community and I would just kind of start going door to door, you know, just asking people, what do they need? You know, you're, you said that you're a member of a faith community. There's a tremendous resource right there. You already have a Instagram account set up and you have a blog, a very nice blog. You might want to consider converting that to a website, but you're off to a really good start here. So you're right on the money in letting people be the focus. Let them tell you what they want. I am constantly amazed at at my customers, you know, on some of the products that I make. They just make simple inquiries. Hey, can you do this? Yeah, that's actually a brilliant suggestion. Yes, I can do that. And then I incorporate that into, you know, all of the future products that I make. I just made a a modification to something about two weeks ago. It was a brilliant suggestion from a customer. So I guess this is why they call it the audience first strategy. You're letting people tell you what they want instead of trying to, you know, shove something that you made that you wanted to make down 
other people's pocketbooks. Reader has some real skills. He is into laser engraving. I'm very jealous. He is making ores. Uh, not the ores that we're thinking of, like for boats. These are, well, think of reusable wooden tickets. It's, it's very, very cool. He explained it to me. And, and this is one of the words that got lost in translation. But uh, very, very cool. Check out his uh, uh, his blog. Uh, he's also into logo designs. So if any of you are in need of something like that, you might want to check out uh, um, Reader. Now to the second part of his question, I don't know how to start. Here's some suggestions. Step one, make a decision to start. I think we kind of get into this swirling mindset. At least I know I did like 20 years ago that I could do this. I could do that. I could do this other thing. I could do this other thing. And then you just kind of keep going around and around and, and maybe you break out the yellow notepad and start writing pros and cons and pluses and minuses and goods and bads. That's very, very useful, but I think the biggest stumbling block is just insane. I am going to start a business. Boom. That decision has been made. Now, step two, you need to figure out what business to start. And that's where this audience first strategy comes in. And then step three is, well, <laughs> fill in the blanks for everything else that you have to do. And that's where I think that uh, that primer is a real useful tool. You need to check that out. And, of course, you can also listen to episodes 1 through 12, where I cover some of the, the very basics of things that you need to do whenever you're you're starting your, your business, particularly focused on woodworking business. In the U.S., it's pretty easy to start a business. You need to come up with a name, get your bank account, file with the Secretary of State, get your sales certificate. That's a license for you to collect taxes and then pay those back to the state. Get your domain, register on all the social media platforms, fill out your Google business page, and you're off to the races. You don't have to do all those things, except maybe the, the sales tax thing in your bank account. But, you know, it's it's pretty easy. Other countries, it might be more difficult. It might be easier. I honestly have no idea. Step four, don't get overwhelmed. Take this one bite at a time, one step at a time. If you sit down at your computer in the morning and you are filling out a to-do list, Put three things at the top, draw a line, and then list some other things. Concentrate on those three things. If we can all do three things a day to completion, that would be a productive day. Think about it. You come up with a list of 12 different things, you work through two of them by the end of the day, and you feel like crap the rest of the night, you don't sleep well because you're worrying about all the, the other 10 things that you didn't get done, and that added stress just does not aid in productivity. Three things. Concentrate on three things. And if you get those done, great. Reach down below the straight line and pick up number four. Maybe number five. There are some days that, well, honestly, 
I didn't get anything done on my list. But that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Remember, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. And step five is a mind shift. If you have been making widgets for five years and you're really, really good at making widgets and all of your family has received widgets for Christmas and, well, frankly, they're a little tired of widgets. It's like, oh, God, please, not another widget. And you started a business selling widgets. You need to shift your thinking. You are no longer a widget maker. That is not your primary job. Your new job is making and selling widgets in a business. You are no longer the technician cranking out widgets every day, just happy as a lark. You are now trying to sell those widgets and you are managing the business. It's a bit more complicated. You will probably spend as much time working on the business as you are working in the shop. That's one of the kind of unanticipated consequences of starting a business is that you actually don't get the full eight hours in the shop like you were hoping to. Or if you are doing eight hours in the shop, I'm incredibly envious, you're probably doing six or eight hours in the office just taking care of day-to-day, you know, management things in the business, getting a website built, you know, doing the social media, keeping track of the books, updating the, the checking accounts, so on and so forth. I've mentioned this in another episode that there's a very famous furniture maker, woodworker in New England. He's he's world-renowned. And in one of his articles, he mentioned that he spends as much time talking to customers, dealing with customers, selling the product, maintaining the books that he does out in the shop, building the furniture. And after I read that, it's like, Whew, so I'm not the only one? So good luck. Do something. Remember that whatever you start doing today is probably not what you're going to be doing in 10 years or even five years or next year. And that's good because that means that you're changing. You're adapting. You're responding to what people want you to do for them. And I really think that's kind of the key to the modern woodworking shop. Final thought, more people break furniture than buy widgets. Just saying. Recommendations for the week. Obviously, the yourprimer.com that can hook you up with the Android and Apple app for Primer. And also, I have in the show notes a link to Reader's blog and from there, you can go on to his Instagram post and sign up, you know, show him a little love. Miss Jobs, I had someone email me a request to give him a quote on building. I'm not exactly sure what it was. He included a drawing with a bunch of parts that needed to be milled out of probably quarter inch plywood. I don't know the end use of these. But I, I just had to pass. I, I just didn't have time. Pay attention to the words people use in emails or phone conversations. What are the things that they're asking for first? This gentleman asked, 
how much will it cost? That means that cost is the most important factor to them versus someone who says, can you make, they're not so much worried about costs, they're more concerned, do you have the skills to make what I want? Just kind of one of those little things that, you know, you, you gives you an insight into what the customer is really after. like to do a special thank you to listeners in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and in Itapeva, San Pablo, Brazil. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. As always, check out the show notes for the affiliate links, and it would be wonderful if you would buy me a cup of coffee. Until next week, thanks for listening. Have a great woodworking day.